taking crazy pills. Maybe I had a good night's sleep. Maybe I woke up on the right side of the bed. But I'll tell you, I'm feeling a little optimistic about this Patriots offense and their ability to turn things around as we move forward into this season. And I have several reasons why that is. Maybe it's just me smoking the hopium. But I really feel like quitting on this Patriots offense at this point would not be the smartest thing in the world. So uh, let me tell you a few reasons why I feel that way. And again, thanks for joining us here on this Thursday. Nick Cattle Show, Spotify, Apple Pods, and YouTube. I have two caveats before we get into this conversation about the offense. Two caveats, okay? The first caveat is that this is not an elite offense. I'm not going to sit here and tell you today that this offense has the capability of turning into an elite offense, a top five, six, seven kind of offense in the league. I don't see that happening. So that's first things first. Secondly, I have to acknowledge that the next two weeks, not the greatest timing to say I feel optimistic about this offense turning things around. They play the Jets defense this weekend, of course, a tough defense, and then they travel to Dallas, and Dallas has been the best defense in football the first couple of weeks. But let me look at the Patriots. Let's look at this team in our backyard, and I'll tell you why I feel there are several indicators through the first two weeks that should make you feel at least pretty good about this offense improving in turning things around this season. First and foremost, why do I think this offense can improve? And why do I think this offense is capable of scoring about 23 points a game? Because I think that's what you're looking at. You're not looking at a team that's going to score 27, 28 points a game. That's not this kind of offense. But I do feel like the Patriots could get this offense to moderate levels. 23 points a game. If you're wondering, 23 points a game last year would put the Patriots at 12th in the league in scoring. And I feel like that's reasonable. I feel like it's reasonable that this offense can turn things around and finish somewhere between, you know, 10 through 15 as far as offense, the top half of the league. I feel like that is reasonable as far as expectations. Now let's get into why. Number one, this offensive line, I think, is going to get healthy. And right now, it's not healthy. Cole Strange was obviously not ready to return on Sunday night, at least in the first half. He wasn't good. He got better in the second half. Michael Wenu, who is this team's best offensive lineman, is still dealing with some stuff off-season surgery. I think at a certain point, he's going to look like Mike Owenu. Trent Brown was out with a concussion last week. I anticipate him coming back. He was on the practice field yesterday. So just getting this offensive line healthier is a gigantic step. Because when you look at this O-line, and I know it's been bad and I've crushed it the first two weeks because they've deserved to be crushed. But when you look at this offensive line, Trent Brown is a good tackle in the league. Maybe even better than good at left tackle. Cole Strange, you drafted him in the first round. Time for him to step up. He's got the potential. He's got talent. David Andrews is one of the better centers in the league. Michael Wenu is one of the best offensive linemen in football when he is right, when he is healthy. The right tackle spot is absolutely a question. Calvin Anderson, with that serious illness during camp, he's still trying to work himself back. And I think we saw some positives from Vidarian Lowe last week. And what makes me even more confident in saying that is that the guys who watched the film, the Evan Lazars, right, the Phil Perrys, the Greg Bedards, 
they will tell you that low was pretty good last week. So if you have Trent Brown, Strange, Andrews, and Owenu healthy and playing to their level, you can deal with Vidarian Lowe on the right side at right tackle, and you could even give him some help. So once this offensive line gets healthier, I think this offensive line will be much, much better. Much better. The other part of it is they didn't play a lot in the preseason, hardly at all. They weren't together in camp. So they have to gel. They've got to gain that chemistry, that cohesion, a Tommy Heinze word back in the day. They've got to get that cohesion working up front. And with more reps, more practice, I think you'll see that. They've got a new offensive line coach, obviously, in Clem. So the offensive line, we should anticipate this offensive line being much better as the weeks progress. That's number one. Number two, the red zone offense. I hit on this yesterday in my positives. They've been good in the red zone. They've been actually the fourth best team in the NFL in red zone offense this year. When you look at what they've done, 71.43% touchdown rate. It's fantastic stuff. That would be number one last year in the league. The Cowboys actually finished number one in the league last season at 71.43%. So they're not having issues when they get into the red zone. They're not having issues at all. Fourth best red zone offense. And here's the thing. People might say, well, Nick, yeah, they're good in the red zone, but how about between the 20s? Like this offense just hasn't had great momentum. That's not necessarily the truth. The truth is the Patriots offense, they've been moving the football really, really well. I'll say it again. If you think I'm crazy, I'll say it again. The Patriots have been moving the ball really well. When you look at the rest of the league, Evan Lazar tweeted this out. You know, even being one-dimensional, they've had no run game through the first two weeks. Here's Lazar's post. Uh, The Patriots have had 16 drives end on the opponent's side of the 50-yard line. That's tied for most in the NFL. Now, that's not all moving the football, right? That's not just all on the offense. That's on the defense. That's creating turnovers. That's special teams, the return game. All of that, I understand. The Patriots offense has put themselves in a position to be highly successful this year by being on the plus side of the field. Here's the problem. 16 drives ending on the opponent's side of the field, which is tied for the most in the NFL. The problem is, Evan Lazar posts, the Patriots have only come away with points on six of those drives, six of the 16 drives, which is the second lowest rate in the league. So you're getting to the plus side of the field. You've just been incapable of finishing most of those drives, which is the true issue. And now why is that? I'll tell you why that is. And if you've watched this team, like I'm sure all of you have, if you're listening to this podcast or watching it on YouTube, don't forget, give us that thumbs up, like it, helps us, more eyeballs, subscribe as well. Only takes a second of your time. But it's really coming down to three things. It comes down to penalties, sacks, and turnovers. Those three things have absolutely killed drives for this team through the first two weeks. I went back in the lab, okay? I'll give you some numbers. The Patriots, if you don't count, if you don't count the kneel down at the end of the first half, right? It's Miami. If you're not counting that kneel down, 12 of the 23 drives this year, more than half, 12 of your 23 drives have had either a sack a penalty, and or a turnover. 
Some have had a couple of sacks. Some have had a penalty and a sack. Some have had a sack and a turnover. More than half of your drives this year have included a sack, a penalty, or a turnover. Out of those 12 drives that you've had one of those three things happen, out of those 12 drives, you've scored a touchdown and a field goal. So you've scored twice out of those 12 unclean, dirty drives, let's call them the good old dirty drives. You've scored twice out of those 12, quote-unquote, dirty drives, which is 16.6% of those drives. Now, when you look at clean drives, this offense has had 11 clean drives, which means no penalties, no sacks, no turnovers. Out of those 11 clean drives this year, you've had six punts, you've had four touchdowns, and then you had the fourth and three decision against Philadelphia by Belichick, which I disagreed with. You're in field goal range there. So you could argue out of the 11 clean drives to the Patriots offense this year so far, you should have scored in five of those. Five of those, which is a 45% conversion rate. So when you don't give up a sack, when you don't have a penalty, when you don't turn the football over, when you're just running your offense and not shooting yourself in the foot, you should have scored on 45% of those drives. When you shoot yourself in the foot, which this team has done too many times, more than 50% of their drives, they've shot themselves in the foot. You score just over 16.5% of the time. Play clean. Play clean. Get rid of the penalties or at least limit them significantly. Stop turning the ball over, of course. And don't give up sacks that set this offense back to second and 18, second and 19. Here's another thing why I'm optimistic about this offense turning things around here uh, in, this, in this season. Your quarterback is playing well, and, and I'm not going to go too deep into this. Just give you a couple of numbers. Mac Jones is playing well. We've talked about it on this pod through the first two weeks, uh, against pressure. This is Mac Jones versus pressure, according to Pro Football Focus. He has the fifth-best quarterback grade in the NFL against pressure. He's been the fifth-best quarterback in football when he has been pressured this year. So if you think Mac just pees down his leg and panics, not true. Fifth-best quarterback in football against pressure. And overall, big picture from 30,000 feet. With all the issues we've talked about, the offensive line, the lack of a run game, no play action, all of those things, shooting yourself in the foot, with all of that stuff happening, Pro Football Focus has Mac Jones ranked as the 12th quarterback in the league right now. So Pro Football Focus is telling us that Mac Jones is the 12th best quarterback in football through two weeks, which I don't think is crazy. Had him at a B-minus against Philly, had him at a B last week against Miami, I've said from the very beginning, I've been very consistent on Mac Jones. Top 12 to 15 quarterback in the league. I believe that's where he is. That's, that's his ceiling. 12 to 15. He's not a guy that is going to carry you. You can win with him, but you're not going to win because he carries you week after week after week. It's just not that kind of quarterback. A few other things. The run game is going to improve. 
The run game is 23rd in rushing attempts so far. That's going to change. They're 22nd in yards per carry so far. That's going to change. They're 27th in yards per game on the ground. That is going to change. Ramondre Stevenson is one of the best, arguably the best offensive player on this team. And I would say he is the best offensive player on this team. And he has done nothing for you so far this year. That's going to change. Offensive line gets healthy. They gel. They block better. They start getting to the second level. Stevenson gets going. Run game gets going. Changes the offense. No longer one-dimensional. I also think we could look forward to Pop Douglas developing as long as the coach doesn't sit him down for fumbling the football. I think Pop Douglas will continue to develop, will continue to improve, and Pop alone will help this offense's ability to have some explosion. He'll, he'll help right off the line of scrimmage. He'll help with Yak. He'll make those explosive plays that we've been missing here through the first two weeks. So I think Pop will get better. So that's why. I don't think it's crazy to believe that this offense – can improve to where it's been right now. I'd say it, it can improve at a number of different levels. The offensive line should get healthier. It should gel. It should get better. The run game should get better because of that, which will open up the play action. You get more pop Douglas involvement, more snaps for him. And then you open up the offense for the tight ends. So maybe I'm just smoking the hopium, but I don't think I am. If it's a huge, if, if, these guys can stay healthy. This offense will be better. Bill O'Brien has been handcuffed by the offensive line and the lack of explosion from Juju Smith-Schuster. He's figuring out what he has right now with the bullets flying, but I think this offense will get better. Again, two caveats. I don't think they're elite, and I understand and I acknowledge and I appreciate that the next two weeks this offense might not look great against the Jets and Cowboys defense. Rate, review, like, and subscribe. Don't forget, every eyeball helps us out. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your coworkers about the Nick Cattle Show. Let's jump to this. Uh, coming up, of course, on Sunday, first 1 o'clock kick of the NFL season for Patriots fans, which I love. How big is this game? How big is this game this weekend? My preseason prediction was 8 and 9. I kind of waffled from 9 wins to 8 wins to 9 wins. to, But I finished at 8 and 9. And when I broke down the schedule and did the old WLLWWLLWLWL, that game, when I went through that in the first four games this season, I had the Patriots at 1 and 3. I had them at 1 and 3. I had them winning against Miami on Sunday night. Had them losing week one to the Eagles. Had them losing at the Jets when Aaron Rodgers was the quarterback and had them likely losing to Dallas in Dallas week four. If the Patriots can win on Sunday, they're still right on track. Now, that's not the greatest track because, again, I had them at like eight wins or so. That's not awesome. But they're right on track as far as expectations. A couple things fall their way. They could finish with better than eight wins. One and three would not be the absolute end of the world. Dallas will be the favorites, of course, in Dallas next week, no doubt. I don't believe, and I hope I'm proven wrong, I do not believe this team has the type of talent to win you know, 10 of 13 games. If you lose this game and then you lose in Dallas, you're 0-4, and four, you need a miracle. You need to win 10 of the next 13 to likely have a shot at the playoffs finishing with 10 wins. So yes, this game on Sunday is significant. 
It's critical. I won't say must win because it's the third game of the season and stranger things have happened and teams have gone on big time runs. So I'm not going to go to that length, but this game is critical. It's crucial for the Patriots to win on Sunday. And if you do win on Sunday, there's a possibility. Again, I'm not smoking the hopium. At least I don't think I am. If you do beat the Jets and Zach Wilson on Sunday, things could get interesting because if you win the game coming up on Sunday, you could be looking at three and three after six games. And if you're looking at three and three after six games, you have a shot. You have a shot at the playoffs because what people aren't talking about a lot right now is the AFC as a whole. I thought, I'm sure many of you thought that the AFC was going to be the best conference. It was going to be the dominant conference. It was so deep with teams that could make the playoffs, could make runs. It was supposed to be the deepest, the meanest, the best conference in football this year. Well, there are only two, if you've looked at the standings, dos, dos teams in the AFC that have started their season at 2-0. Miami and the Ravens. Miami and Baltimore are the only two teams in the AFC conference that are 2-0 right now. That gives you a chance. The door is open. If you fast forward and you get through week six and you're 3-3, three and three, there are going to be a lot of other teams in your conference that are looking at 2-4 and four and 3-3, three and three, and you're going to be right smack dab in the middle of that mix. So if you win on Sunday... You give, your chance, you give yourself a chance to be 3-3 three and three after six weeks. You give yourself a chance to be in the conversation. And if you, if you are 3-3, three and three, now you have a chance to pick up a little bit of momentum. And I know the schedule gets tougher and all of that, but you do have an opportunity to continue to get better. You could be 3-3, three and three, healthy offensive line, offense is playing better, defense is playing well, and then you've got your rookies taking steps throughout. The rookies aren't going to plateau, folks, in week four or five. They're going to continue to develop and get better. That's how this works. And you're talking about some key pieces here. You're talking about Pop Douglas. Maybe if Juju continues to look like he's playing on one leg, maybe you bring in Kayshawn Booty and make him active. And maybe by week six or seven, he understands he needs both feet inbounds. So you've got Pop, you've got Booty. You've got Christian Gonzalez, who's only going to get better. You've got Keon White, who is only going to get better. Same thing with Marte Mapu. So by my count, that's five rookies that are going to develop and get better as hopefully the team's getting better. And hopefully you could be looking at a three and three team with those rookies developing and improving and really, truly ready to help you for the last 11 games of the season at a higher level than they're helping you right now, especially Christian Gonzalez, who, as I said yesterday, has been really good. I think Gonzalez has been really, really good. And, hey, maybe going on the road this week will actually get these guys to focus and play a little bit better and limit the mistakes. You know, fingers crossed, I'm not too confident that we're going to see a whole different team on Sunday. But maybe getting away from Gillette, maybe getting away from the noise, maybe that kind of stuff will you know, help them improve and play better on the road. Maybe. Maybe they turn things up. Rate, review, like, and subscribe. 
We're on Spotify, Apple Pods, YouTube. And, you know, I see us creeping towards 300 subscribers on YouTube, which means an awful lot to me. Honestly, every single one of you that take time to listen to this show, to watch this show, you mean the world to me. One man band, relying on myself, Kelly, my wife, helping me with some things technically. But uh, this is just me. So I appreciate all of the great comments and all the feedback and all of the support that I've had. And we'll continue to build this community. All right, finally. We'll wrap today's podcast up with Bill Belichick and some thoughts about him possibly getting a little bit more aggressive after what happened on Sunday night. Now, Mike Giardi wrote about the defense at Boston Sports Journal, and here's what Mike wrote, a couple of excerpts here. Sunday night felt like the Patriots' home game against the Bills last year, i.e., just don't embarrass us. And then, because the final score looks competitive, we believe the team is closer to their intended target than they are. Giardi goes on and writes, do you remember that night against the Bills? The Pats had been run out of the building by Buffalo in the regular season finale the year before and the playoff game. Josh Allen and company had gone 23. This just makes me puke. 23 straight drives against the Patriots without punting. Mind-boggling. Ridiculous. So that evening, Giardi points out, Belichick had his defense play soft, keeping the likes of Stephon Diggs, and Isaiah freaking McKenzie and Dawson Knox in front of them. Allen, too. One of my favorite sayings is death by a thousand paper cuts. Well, Giardi writes, death by a thousand cuts is better than allowing explosives. So Giardi's point is, hey, look, the Patriots did the same damn thing on Sunday night against Miami that they did against Buffalo last year, and that was they played soft, they played scared. Now, I actually don't have a huge issue with the game plan. If you're going to play that way in between the 20s, I don't have a huge problem with that. I think it actually makes sense. You know, Miami is more explosive than Buffalo. They really are. Nobody on Buffalo, and I love Diggs, but nobody on Buffalo is Tyreek Hill. Jalen Waddell is ridiculous. You saw Mostert. You saw other guys, Ahmed. You saw that team speed. Miami's offense even though I I would easily take Josh Allen over Tua from a skill standpoint, the overall offense, Buffalo doesn't do a great job running the football. The overall offense is better for Miami. So I don't have a big issue with Belichick saying, we're going to lay back here. We're not going to give up 30-yard chunks. We're going to make these guys meticulously move the football down the field and get to the red zone. Now, here's the problem. If you're going with that game plan, you have to stop them in the red zone. And they did not do that. The Patriots did not do that in the first half against Miami. Two out of the three times they touched the red area, they scored touchdowns. And one of them on the inexcusable play, when Kyle Duggar just failed to get a jam on Tyreek Hill after the motion from Miami, Duggar just missed the jam or didn't even try to jam him, and it was an easy-peasy, one-two-threesy reception for Hill for the touchdown. If you're going to play that way, I understand the logic in playing that way, but you can't give up touchdowns if you're going to play that way because then everything becomes easy. And that's what happened in the first half for Miami on Sunday night. Everything was just way too easy. So will Bill get aggressive? Because I, I think you could limit the big play without losing your aggressiveness. You could limit the big play, for example, by telling your cornerbacks to be physical when the guys get off the line of scrimmage. 
I understand that if you miss a jam, that speed's going to kill you. But risk, reward. Two is a guy who he looks at his first read. And if the first read is not there, he's not the same quarterback. So I would have liked to see more physicality and, and more urgency at the, at the cornerback and safety positions. And I'd like to see more jamming being done at the line of scrimmage. You can be more aggressive and physical without laying over or laying down rather and saying, okay, all right, guys, just run us over. Have fun with your chunk plays. You can have that physicality and that aggression. You don't have to play soft to limit big plays. You just don't have to do that. And I wonder if Belichick is going to let the youngins loose over the next couple of weeks, especially on Sunday against Zach Wilson. Will the coach let his young guys get a little loose? Will he trust Christian Gonzalez to man up Garrett Wilson and say, hey, look, you got that one-on-one matchup. I'm trusting you, rookie. Take that dude out the game. Will he do that? Will he entrust Gonzalez? There was some of that in the second half against Miami when Gonzalez had Hill one-on-one. Now, he did have some help over and all that stuff at times, but you get the point. Is Belichick going to eventually say to himself, we've got a number one corner on the outside, and I am going to take advantage of that a little bit more than I have in the first couple of weeks. I wanted to get the rookies' feet wet, which, again, I understand. But I'd like to see them crank it up a little bit. Gonzalez has not shown anything. He hasn't shown anything other than being a really good number one cornerback, a guy who's played at a a high level in the first two weeks of his rookie campaign. So will Belichick start to show a little bit more trust and confidence in the rookie and start doing some different things dynamically with the secondary and leaving Gonzalez on that island and saying, no, he's our guy. He ain't Darrell Revis. He ain't Stephon Gilmore. He's not, he's not one of those guys yet, but he's really freaking good. Will Keon White get more snaps? Well, he's got to make sure he contains the edge and not lose his ass like he did against Miami on, on a play or two. I will say that. But again, If you're playing, you've got to look at this boom-bust kind of situation, right? You let Gonzalez be on the island more because you trust his talent. And, yes, he's going to make mistakes every once in a while, but he's going to learn from those mistakes, and he's going to be better from those mistakes, and your team will be better because of that. Same thing with Keon White. Yeah, he didn't keep the edge against Miami a couple of times. Learn from it. Allow him to develop and learn from that. Play him snaps and get him going. I think that guy has the talent to change games for you on that defensive line. And Marte Mapu, as he continues to progress, will we see him at linebacker a little bit more? Will we, will we see his athleticism pop out a little bit more? Will you play him more than you know 30 snaps? He had more snaps last week than week one. Week one, he had like nine snaps. So will Belichick be more aggressive with the rookie class? as the next few weeks go on. Legitimate question that I have. By the way, speaking of Gonzalez, real recognizes real. Tyreek Hill, not a huge fan of Tyreek. His game is great, on the field fantastic. Otherwise, I'm out. 
But uh, here's what Tyreek Hill said this week about Gonzalez. Quote, I was able to go against the rookie. He's real good. Very lengthy. Very lengthy corner. Had some real good technique and speed about him. Gonzalez keeps improving. He is going to be known by the end of this year, maybe even a little bit sooner than that. If he continues to play like this and he continues to get better, which we all should anticipate he's going to do because he's a rookie, he has legit number one shutdown cornerback capability, and that should have all of us excited. Because if you have that, you can take more chances on defense. If you have that, you don't need your second corner to be as good. If you have that, now you look at Jonathan Jones and Jack Jones, if he hopefully comes back and he's healthy and he keeps his head straight. Miles Bryant's played pretty well. You know, you start to look at those defensive backs, those corners, and then you start looking at your safety group. Now you can start to take some chances, and now you get a little bit excited, right? So I think that's something we need to keep an eye on is the aggressiveness of Belichick, especially defensively. I do think, obviously, some of that was matchup because it was Miami last week. I would imagine he'll be a little bit more aggressive against Zach Wilson this weekend. But will he allow his dogs to be dogs? Will he allow those guys to ball out? Will he be willing to take those risks? Because the return is that, hey, they make some plays and they impact the game. Will we see that? Offensively, I also think the offense has been a little bit soft. And they need to change that as well. You know, the offensive line has been dominated. It's been pushed around. I did the pod, the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast earlier this week with Greg, and Greg said, you know, he saw multiple plays where offensive linemen are on the ground, ass over tea kettle. Your offensive line cannot get dominated. This is a team that is supposed to be a very good running team, a team that attacks defenses between the tackles, a team that works with that interior offensive line to get to the second level and push linebackers out the way. This is a, a team that is supposed to have an offense that is supposed to have Trent Brown pulling with his athleticism and taking dudes out. Owenu pulling and taking dudes out. That is what this offense, I thought, was supposed to be. You have to set the tone up front. You have to stop getting pushed around. Stop being soft. This offensive line needs a little bit of nastiness to it. And I hope we see that on Sunday because the Jets defensive line is pretty tough. I also think Ramondre Stevenson, and, and some of this has to do with the O-line. We've seen some tap dancing from Stevenson behind the line of scrimmage. And again, I put that mostly on the O-line and not Stevenson because I think he's looking up in front of him going, oh, no, <laughs> I got to try to create space here. And part of it is shotgun, running out of the shotgun, not tremendous momentum, right? If you're under center and Stevenson has that couple of yards to kind of get into the run and run with more force. So there are other things, but Stevenson, less tap dancing. You can't have your wide receivers getting bullied. You can't have Devontae Parker getting pushed five yards out of bounds on that pick by Howard on Sunday night. You need your receiver to fight through that route. You need your receiver to fight for the football better than he did. Bad throw by Mac, bad decision, not absolving Mac from that pick. It's just you got to help your quarterback out, and you got to be tougher on the outside. Kendrick Bourne, when it's a perfect bucket throw for a possible gigantic play, you've got to fight. You've got to hand fight 
and get your arm and hand away from and your wrist away from the defensive back as he's trying to pull you down. You've got to fight for that football. You've got to fight for that position. The defensive back isn't just going to give it to you. So there's been a little bit of softness on the offense as well. Will they show some physicality and toughness this week? Something to look forward to and something that we got to pay attention to. All right. Tomorrow we're going to dive deep into the Jets matchup. I've got all sorts of great notes and thoughts for you guys. Tomorrow should be a, a very good preview. Hopefully you enjoyed this show today. Don't forget to rate, review, like, and subscribe. Every thumbs up means an awful lot to us. Very little effort from you to just pluck that thumbs up for us, and we appreciate it. It's the Nick Cattle Show. We're done for today. We're back tomorrow when we look at Jets, Patriots coming up on Sunday.